Californians are paying more in taxes so that LeBron James can play basketball with Bugs Bunny. California wildfires continue to destroy homes and lives, so why do we let people build in fire zones? And the second largest California firm may be preparing for a move to Texas. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. What up, guys? Good evening, everybody. Sup, essays. <laughs> Is that in honor of, uh, of the caravan? The border the, the clash. Scuffle. That's right. The southern scuffle. Man, what you a should, fiasco learn, that has become. You should learn the lingo, get accustomed to it. Because it's coming, and it's going to be right in your face. That's what they tell me. You have kind of the inside track on that info, Bobby. <laughs> of course, I do. They they tell me daily uh, updates. You, you get the yeah. You get the the facts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> actually, um, it's quite a contrast uh, if you actually watch Spanish news. Oh, interesting! I, I watch it all the time. I know you do. <laughs> it's the, actually with, with, the, <laughs> with the zap subtitles on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's far more it's far more interesting because on the other side of the of the coin, as it were, um, the Mexican people don't want them there. Well, right. right. A poll came out, and seventy percent of the they don't want them there. Yeah, I, I saw the mayor of Tijuana was wearing a red "Make Tijuana Great Again" hat. Right. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. But um, yeah, it's it's not. I'm cool. wondering when it was great. <laughs> Maybe it's just "Make Tijuana Great." Back when they had the donkey shows, I don't know. no, but I think, but I feel like his actions reflect exactly what you're saying. Yeah, right. He he says we don't want to spend resources. We don't. That sounds familiar. No, I mean, I, it makes perfect sense. And from from what I was reading, there are some more affluent areas of Tijuana, and that's where those people are starting to congregate because mm, they yeah. don't want to be in the slums. They're mm. and then they're complaining about the food they were given that the the rice and beans they were above rice and beans. Like yes, that. my. Uh, <laughs> You're seeking asylum. You should just want whatever food no, no, no. is given to you. See, the The rumor mill is that these people are more of an affluent type of people from Honduras. That's what I heard. Whatever. Well, it's all women and children. <laughs> Let's go with that. But they're affluent women and children, and they have a certain uh, status of. What they prefer level of to eat. needs that they feel should be met? Yes, um, but they walk the whole way. The the only thing, sure. how fluent could you be? Why wouldn't you just hop on a plane? They're not that <laughs> <laughs> different levels of well, well, fluency. Again, you can't just hop on a plane because there's a border. You know, you go to TSA. You know, there's a check, and they look at you and they go, "You don't have a valid passport or visa or what have you." Thank you very much. Get on the plane back to wherever you came from. And am I the only one that noticed when they show the map now of the trajectory and the path that they took way shorter of a distance if they would have sought asylum at Texas? Oh, yeah. But no, 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 no. no. They took a hard left. Right. And went way farther to come to California. Uncle Gavin. Yeah. They were testing Gavin News. And and Becerra, he... He went right into it. He went right, our attorney general, he went right for it. He was like, I'm monitoring to make sure everyone is being, you know, taken care of down there. There's no violence. Monitoring. I'm monitoring the situation. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Jeez. 
on that's that our, beautiful that's our on that note take us into it john okay the first story we have comes from reason magazine here's the headline californias are paying more in taxes so lebron james can play basketball with bugs bunny we've talked about this issue in the past but let me kind of give you the 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 numbers on the latest so as the article points out right don't forget this is the same state as we've talked about on the podcast that has complained and says we need every dollar and dime we can get for infrastructure because the next time you drive over a bridge, you might die. Correct. Okay. Bridges are going to fall down. So instead, what they're doing to, I guess, solve that is giving hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks to Hollywood filmmakers. $300 million, yeah. to be exact. And so the... The article talks about this, the one specific movie. When did Space Jam originally come out? The movie with Michael Jordan in the yeah. 90s? Early 90s or early something? 90s. Mid-90s, yeah. 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 Sounds like they're doing it again with LeBron, Space Jam 2. And that movie gets $21.8 million in tax credits. Wow. Just for the rights to film in L.A.? Yeah. I want to see if it actually is spent within the state. You know, you mean, I mean, really, you I mean, mean, is it really when they film? I mean, you've talked a little bit about this in the past, Louis, right? But it gets tricky, at least from a, from a third party observer like myself. I've never been in the industry. I can't tell, but okay. I, I guess I get it in that you're employing and the, the carpenters and all the people on the right. set. If they're filming in LA, inevitably you can't be bringing that in from Arizona. I mean, like it's logistically right. difficult. So well, there is and, and that. And it's a union thing too. So you've got to hire from basically that zone. So when you're working here, you're hiring from the IATSE union people here. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, going to other states and scabbing or picking up. I got it. Like, because I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I'm going, okay, I remember Space Jam and they did some, they did some filming in Michael Jordan's own home. Oh, did they really? In yeah, Chicago? they did. In, yeah, or wherever he was living at. But LeBron actually lives here, so I got to imagine they're going to well, film I, something in his own home. Just oh, going right. off the old version, I'm going to assume a lot of it's filmed on stage digitally, right? Yeah, there, right. there was a huge because of all the cartoon characters. Right, there was a huge so, digital element. I don't think there's a whole lot of. I could could be totally wrong. I, I don't know the script or anything like that. Right. A lot's changed since then, but I have to believe the locations are fairly limited. It's not like they're hopping all over the country for it. I mean, it depends on what the movie's like and da, 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 da. But right. uh, where are the film editors? Where are the digital artists that are obviously going to make the cartoon portion of it? Right. So a ton of it's probably going to be here. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, okay, the tax credits keep people here. I think there's more pro, more pros than cons to it. I'm curious to see how that, pans out though like the, like looking on a ledger and seeing where all the 21 million dollars in credit so, goes you know so here, like uh, this is ab- the crux of it i'm just absolutely saying, like, right. okay we pay what was it 28 million that we're paying uh, 21.8 okay oh, 21. Whatever. Yeah. let's pretend we spent all that money right back here so all we've done is we've taxed ourselves correct to pay ourselves correct how how does this well, Real because work. it's almost working as a form of blackmail, right? Because it's like, <laughs> you it's to keep you here so you don't go somewhere else. No, that's right. And so, and this is where it leads to, in my opinion, a broader discussion, although then there's another sports 
discussion in terms of stadiums that we can have. But the broader discussion is, isn't this just welfare by a different name? I mean, sure. a social, a corporate social safety net. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. It's just like we're, we're taxing ourselves so that we can keep people employed here. I'm going to give you a different angle on okay. it. Going off kind of what you say a lot of times is if you're going to do welfare, you might as well do it in something that's injectable back into uh, putting cash back into, into the people's hands like as fast as possible. Right. Yeah. So instead of, you know, giving people a WIC voucher, just give them cash. And at least that's going to go back into the system. Right. Right. Versus some kind of government subsidy. It'd be like in this case, they handed them a $21.8 million card that could only be used. Well, what uh, I'm saying is if you've got $21 million in tax credits, how much did you spend to rack up $21 million mm, in tax? That, that's a good point. Right? Because it's all relative. So I have to imagine that, I mean, man, well, well, how much did you spend here locally, localized <laughs> right. in California, to even rack up that big of a credit? I think the other deal, too, is that we're talking about that uh, the state is able to give out $300 million in credits a year. Right. If everyone's taking that kind of chunk, that's not that many shows. <laughs> right? uh, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Now, not everything is going to have that big of a budget. But there's but movies these days, the budgets for some of these are right. ridiculously large. Right. A good $100 million, depending on what the film is. And I think we both said here and no, and I think we brought this up um, many podcasts ago. You can't help but see the connection between this industry and the party in which is in currently in control of handing out the tax credits. Right. I mean, uh, it's going to be a long time before. Boy, I don't think there's any oil companies still still headquartered here, but you know, let's say a subsidiary of Chevron or something in Cal. They're not going to get this in order to stay here. Right. And so then I would say what, and this, this could be more broad and it just business in general, but what would you do if not a tax credit to keep people here in the state? And we'll just say, we'll limit it to the movies. Like what is the wand on that? What does it look like? But well, that, but, I mean, ahead, you're Brian. arguing that I need to do something to keep you here, that I'm the one who needs to incentivize you. It's funny to to that point. They know what they need to do. Yes, they need to lower tax rates across In the general, board. Uh, yeah, right. across the board. But they know they can't do that, and so now it's it's little little rifle shots to so, try so, and keep so the, the pet the pet industries. So you're saying the answer would be to just drop taxes generally, of course, instead of giving out credits. Of course, I think that would be the best boon to uh, our industry everywhere. I mean. There's only so much that you know, any industry can take, especially when it comes to overall taxation. When the, the biggest thing for a corporation is to make sure that they have a good environment in which to operate in, but also be allowed to be competitive uh, against their other uh, competition. I'm, so if you make a widget, how are you based against all the other widget makers in the world? Right. No, I understand that. I, I'm just asking for, you know, speculative kind of, but I, f I, I would love to see numbers on how much, what the ratio is of what we're getting versus what That's we're getting. That's fair. Uh, right. I mean, because, you know, with corporate tax rates, right, a percentage is applied. 
Your like question is twenty one million in right. credits, but we're getting you know four hundred million in boom. Okay, but I, I is that even quantifiable? Uh, yeah, and I guess that's the same argument that they use. Um, that the other that, that, that Democrat liberals use with supply side or trickle down economics, right. right? Is okay. You're cutting the tax rate because you're telling me that that's going to allow people to spend more. H- how do I see that? How do I measure? Yeah, that? it seems. Plus, with all the secondary, tertiary effects of all this stuff, it seems pretty hard to even measure. So to, to Bobby's point in terms, and we talk about California and taxes a lot on the podcast, right? But I came across a link in one of these articles, and it kind of laid out the numbers. And this is from PolitiFact, I, which I, credit me if I'm wrong, I don't think is necessarily partisan or super conservative or something. Right. So PolitiFact, and I think this came up because they checked... This was 2017, so decently recent, and they checked Travis Allen's a, a oh. statement of the governor that I was looking at yeah. the same numbers. Okay, please go ahead. Okay, so and they compared us to a bunch of other states, and it really paints the picture of I think that would support what Bobby and I are saying about lowering. I mean, and I think you too, Louis. But California's top tier income tax rate is the highest in the nation, 13.3 percent. Right. Okay. Now, of course, that's for the Highest of wage course, earners. But that's actually 61,000 households. Uh-huh. So it's not, I mean, it's not like 0. 10 people. 0.4% okay. of the state's okay. taxpayers. Per capita, California's pay $1,991 annually in state income tax, which ranks fourth highest in the country. So per capita still stinks. Highest in the nation, sales tax rate of seven and a quarter. So, so far, we, we haven't cracked below. And that's just the state rate. That's right. That doesn't yeah. count your local add-ons. Santa Barbara adds right. on, what, at least 2%? Oh, uh, right. LA like, County is almost 10% at go. the end of the day. So they've added almost 3 So it's crazy. Sales yeah. tax is 7.25 for the state. That's right. That's the base. And then you add on to that whatever local exactly. sales tax you got. Right. So, yeah. The, okay. And so here's the only place, because of Prop 13... Average effective property tax rate is among the lowest in the nation. It's 0.72% or 36th among states. So that's our only, only element of relief on taxes. Right. Which is in the crosshairs, at least on the commercial it's side. It's coming around, yeah. man. Yeah. I, it, like I always say, the state has these three taxes that we levy, and usually states only have two of them. Right. We have all three. Right. And we're trying to make all three the highest ever. And last, they kind of came up with a state-local tax burden measure, kind of to our point about the sales tax in local areas being high, et cetera. So they kind of tried to quantify that among states. Um, We're the sixth highest for state-local tax burden, and it's at 11%. So except for property tax, we are at least sixth or higher. Imagine if we didn't have Prop 13. It'd be it'd be a disaster. I mean, if you just followed the trend on all the other taxes in the state, the only reason why property tax is where it's at is because of Prop 13. Oh, no question. But imagine if we didn't have that cap. It's why I I just fully believe when the commercial aspect of Prop 13 comes on a ballot, people will vote for it for sure because they don't they don't see it. There's yeah. their home is still protected, so they think that's a victory. Oh, and they're just thinking about big business, the 1%, so, blah, 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 blah. So that, that number right there, the effective prop, we're going to move up the 
I mean, scale for sure. The, that's the scary part. When we said 64,000 households that earn the top tier, yes, they're the ones who are contributing to our tax rolls. Oh, the, the, right. We talked okay. about this. They p- contribute what percentage of our revenue? I mean, like most a huge of it. percentage. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. And what happens if a thousand of those households move away? That's such Let a big alone impact. half of them. Such a big and that impact. Can, and that can happen overnight. Well, it could literally happen overnight. They're so rich they can do it. That's right. It. You're talking about households that easily have the means to get on their corporate jet and fly to their base home in Florida. Right. I was going to say, you're assuming this is their only home. <laughs> right. They could have homes everywhere and then just sell this one. <laughs> yeah, it's no not question. like uh, if you're listening at home, like, oh, man, I got I to gotta find a house. I got to sell my house. I got oh, no, contingency no. and blah, 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 blah. No, it's they just get on and move. But it, it, now that we've said this, it goes back to the corporate welfare system where we're talking about the incentive base for the movies. Yeah. So where, we, where did we get the money from? The top tier. Who's going to benefit from it? The bottom tier. So it's a for, that form of taxation and that welfare system. We're taking it from here, yeah. putting it there, making sure that the people down here have jobs. And let us not move taxes to, to make sure that our finances are in order. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble with our politicians if they ever try to raise taxes on the middle class or even the lower class. One, one other, to change gears for a second, back to kind of the, the sports angle and, and giving breaks, et cetera, to a certain group. I'm kind of curious your guys' thoughts. I've read about this in the past couple of years. I'm a huge sports fan. And I mean, and this story kind of got me thinking about it in terms of the the sports movie. But a, another recent article talked about the fact that the leagues, the NFL's two newest stadiums in Atlanta and Minneapolis, they cost more than a billion dollars to build, and taxpayers have covered at least fifty percent of those costs. And all but three of new NFL stadiums built in the twenty first century are like that. Um, how is that different? I mean, I love sports. I love going to a game. But it's really hard to see how that, too, isn't a form of specialized support or, by another name, welfare. Hey, I mean, the Rams are playing in the old Coliseum right now. Totally. That was built, what, in the, in the beginning of the 80s for the Olympics in the And they're not doing too bad, they're, the yeah, Rams. <laughs> they are proving that they can play in an old stadium, and oh my goodness— what a travesty that the fans have to go to this old stadium. Right. It is pretty old, though. I mean, it, you were just... There. Oh, man. <laughs> That's true. It is old. You should spend my tax money to get me a better but stadium. I, not as bad as Qualcomm, though. I was oh, at Qualcomm, Qualcomm really? too, in October, and that is pretty awful. That's why the Chargers moved. It just right? looks old. Really? Yeah. I mean, that that's a tricky one because I feel like... I'm not saying there's an easy answer. I'm uh, No, and... and I, you have a privately owned team yep. using a publicly Big. subsidized stadium. Exactly. And you still got to pay $200 for a stupid game ticket. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you double paid for your ticket. Or shit if you don't even 16, actually go see the games. Yeah. Like most people are not sports fans. Right. right? Well, in $16 beers and $12 hot dogs. And it's not a cheap outing. And the taxpayer funded the majority of the building. Absolutely. Or, or us, you know, totally. at, at more than a quarter percent. All so. under the, correct me if I'm wrong though, but all under the auspices and promises that this new stadium 
will bring jobs from the area that's built in, which is why I guess I think they chose Inglewood. I, I could see I the could woods. see the stadium construction as I was landing at LAX. Right. I, I did too. It, you know, the, the thing looks crazy. Well, part of it too is just trying to rehab these areas that once had you know Hollywood Park. Um, the, forum the forum is still there, but yeah. right. But when you move the Lakers out of Inglewood and the Kings and you moved them into downtown, right. there's also just no room to build anything. Right. I mean, you kind of got to go where you it's can. It's the development thing. You can develop. Yeah. But okay, since I was talking about the Coliseum, how about this? The Olympics are coming. Right. They're coming in what, 2024? Well, the amount we spend on Olympics or every area does is ridiculous. $3 billion to bring the Olympics here. And I guarantee you, we're going to get every single dollar back. You think so? No. No. (laughs) You had me on that one. (laughs) Yeah. I thought Bobby was because all the tourists are going to come by and they're just going to drop all their funds. Well, again, look. Whenever I'm looking at numbers from a business standpoint, I want to know, okay, what is my ROI, right? What is my return on investment? And again, if I can give $21 million in tax concessions, and that means that I'm going to get $100 million back into, pumped back into the economy for me, okay, great. I, I, can, I can justify that. If I'm going to pony up $2 billion to help finance 50% of a stadium or whatever, okay. But at some point, that thing better bring in $10 billion, right? Like... There's got to be a a positive return on it. No, it not, just, not that using tax money, I think, is even the I, lever. I, yeah, I, right. But at least, at least show me that I'm going to make that money back, or float it, <laughs> float it with an interest rate. You know, I I don't know. Before we leave this topic, do you guys remember um, in Brazil the museum that burned down? Yeah, our national full museum, of millions of dollars of precious art, precious and, artifact, mm-hmm. and what have you. And then right next door is that empty soccer stadium that they built <laughs> for the Olympics, that will never be used again. Never be used again. Brazilian people were pissed. Oh, I'm sure. Pissed. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money, and it's completely justified in being pissed by the fact that they didn't pour the money where it actually needed to be spent. And you have this ugly boondoggle bullet train um, that is being spent oodles and oodles of cash so that a couple of politicians can have their name on the bullet train. I'm sorry, on the uh, soccer stadium. Yeah. All right. It's the same, same thing. Oh. All right. More regulations. Awesome. Okay. Uh, the next story comes due to the fires. That we just had, although that doesn't kind of narrow it down in this state, does no, it? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, you I had think, a fire around here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are the ones down in the Thousand Oaks area. The headline for this story, California wildfires destroy homes and lives. Why do regulators encourage building in fire zones? And I think the crux of this story comes to the fact that the way we have insurance regulations set up in the state, it's very hard what I'll, what I'll call the feedback loop. It's hard for instances like this to quickly feed back into the insurance company's ability to raise premiums to reflect the risk that they're actually taking on to insure said property. And because it's hard for that to happen in an expedient manner, people are able to get cheaper insurance than they typically should be able to and in this case, they're just going to go right back and build where they were, even though the ins- 
partly because the insurance premium won't reflect the actual risk for building again where they built. Um, some of the background on this, it's all passed back in 1988. It's all about Prop 103, and it created an elected insurance commissioner, and it's them who's responsible for approving rate increases. The law also allows for extensive public input on any proposed rate hike. This makes trying to increase rates in response to increased risks, i.e. the fire, a laborious political process. And as a result, insurers are slower to respond to risks and less able to write policies that discount fire-safe practices on an individual basis. Now that Steve Poisner is going to be our insurance commissioner again, I doubt any rates what? are going to be risen. Right. Um, it's funny because this, boy, this this goes into so many other avenues, some of which we've touched on, some of which we haven't. Another one in the interrelated to the fire PG&E, the rates that they charge, what are they allowed to charge, the fact that they're going to be on the hook, it sounds like, again. for this one again. Uh, was this was this lines that sparked? I don't know. Um, the articles I've been reading, though, seems to, you know, they keep getting brought back out into the news. But Jerry Brown, on his way out, said that they're allowed to transfer that to the rate payer. So <laughs> I don't Yeah, right. I mean, but see, God, it goes back to my whole thing that we talked about. We feel like we've talked about these stories a couple of times now. Um, This one's a little different, but is this what we want to do to utilities, right? Like if PG&E, if SoCal Edison, if they follow all the rules and they exceed them and there's Mother Nature in a canyon with 100 mile an hour winds and it drops a line and starts a fire. Now, is it really their fault? Now they did turn off the power up north. They were rolling One power, time, right? Yeah, they were rolling power around. But then they're fined by the Public Utilities Commission for every minute that every subscriber is out of power, right? Like, yeah. and again, I go back to just my basic principle of: is this the inherent risk we take for the luxury of having electricity in every nook and cranny? Right. Because I don't, I don't know what the answer is. The answer to bankrupt them because they're not going to go bankrupt. Newsflash: They're going to pass it down to us, yep. and now my rate's going to go up. When, <laughs> when it's because they be they're being held liable for this. I totally understand what you're saying. In many, um, linking it back to insurance versus um, an electricity provider. There's, it's much more nuanced in the electricity provider's example. The insurer, right, why, why in the world, in my opinion, shouldn't the insurance company be able to set rates? I mean, basically, you can almost copy-paste what we're talking about here in terms of a fire and people building with health insurance, right? It's the same discussion. Well, again, you know, Prop 103, they, they, just like Prop 13, they saw a state that was out of control and raising rates and just not having accountability to the people. So they said, every time you think about raising rates, you got to talk to us. Okay. But just like taxes, just like Prop 13, just like everything. With, with all due respect, somebody would be incredibly ignorant to not recognize the secondary and tertiary effects for limiting said insurance policies. And the rates on them. You're going to have people building in locations where they shouldn't. 
once something like this happens, and I, I get it, it's not common. It maybe gets a little harder to to figure out the rate at which it happens. That's what the insurance companies are in the business of doing, actuarial tables, etc. It's going to be a little harder to, harder to figure that out. But once that thing happens, they they weren't able to get the premiums that they needed to solve for it. Not to mention now the resources that the taxpayers are paying for Cal Fire and all these other elements that have to come into play because there's actual lives at stake where there possibly shouldn't be. Let me throw this one at you. If we're going to say PG&E is liable, then why can't we say the federal government's liable for their poor maintenance of the lands? I see. I think, you, I th- I think you're on to something. Why does culpability start and stop with them when you could probably argue, I'm not an attorney, nothing should Under- be construed as legal advice. Understood. That the mismanagement of the forest lands has been a proximal cause to why these things take off and become conflagrations. I think you're so right. So, leads me right into this part of it. It's magic wand time. How do we fix this problem? So, J. Keith Gillis, and that is his name. He is a professor of forest economics and dean emeritus of the College Ooh. of Natural Resources. That changes everything. At the yes. University of California at Berkeley. Mm. He's also chair of the California Board of Forestry and Fire Protection on Cal Fire's Policy Board. He also tried to marry a tree. That's right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so he's got a man. This is the man with the plan. Okay, here we go. Lay it on me. Uh, one plan is a $4 million, million with an M, forest resilient Resilience Bond, created by the nonprofit World Resources Institute and startup Blue Forest Conservation, uh, according to the LA Times. The bond aims to find profit-seeking investors willing to invest in projects that reduce the risk of costly wildfires and potentially ease the risk of drought. So what does it all mean? Yeah, but you're not allowed to do anything. Here it comes. So the bond works like this. Investors put up the cash to pay the forest thingy work, thinning work. Okay. They're, they'll be repaid over time with interest by public agencies or other entities that want to see the work done but can't pay for it all at once. In this case, the roughly $4 million upfront money is coming from the CSAA Insurance Group, part of AAA, an investment firm Calvert Impact Capital, as well as the Rockefeller Foundation and the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. They'll be lending that money to the National Forest Foundation, which will hire the contractors and manage the forestry work. CSAA and Calvert will earn 4% on, of, on their which will hire um, on their money um, more than the 3% they might earn on government bonds while the foundations will earn 1%. The money will repay the bonds will come from the annual payments from the Yuba Water Agency and the Public Waters Utility and a grant from the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, a.k.a. Cal Fire. Say what? What am I missing here that everything you just said and described is making the case and assumption that this has been a money problem? We needed to be incentivized to thin the forest. That's a joke. The problem is we're not allowed to go into the forest to do anything. In the first place. 
Right. The money thing's a total red herring. Right. So the feds own about 46% of California's land, 4% is owned by the state, and 51% is privately owned. Um, Cal Fire, they manage both the state and private land uh, areas. And um, so when you break down the Forest Service, they manage 193 million acres of land. They have 28,000 employees and an annual outlay of $7 billion a year. There's not enough for them to for, to to perform forestry anymore. And the big thing has been that in the in recent years, they've done more firefighting than right. forestry. Right. Um, all the science is pretty conclusive. You got to burn out the forest of to get rid of the duff and the overgrowth and everything. Sure. Pre- prescribed burns are heavily regulated. They're not done nearly as often as they need to be done or at all. And then you've got both the tree hugger side and then the air quality side. Okay. Right. So it's really hard to, to burn. Um, the forest services perform prescribed burns on an average of 2 million acres a year for the past 10 years. Um, so that means they've only done prescribed burns in about 11% of the land they manage. That leaves a ton of land that needs it and isn't getting it. The, uh, the other interesting part is prior to the 70s, the Forest Service was like the only federal agency that actually made a profit because they sold timber. And then the tree huggers let them not basically sell timber anymore. You sell the fallen trees. Exactly. Which is thinning the, the forest, which is what uh, Professor Gillis over here wants to do. And what Trump was saying and which he got ridiculed for. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, here's a, I went to battle a few times online with people about this. Trump said, let's get a rake. Everyone made memes about raking the forest. Trump's not wrong. He's talking like a layperson. Rake he's not America. Green. Yeah. <laughs> he's not talking like a firefighter, but he's absolutely right. What he's saying in his infantile way is we need to clean the forest up. And he's absolutely right. From 1960 to 1990, 10.3 billion board feet of timber was removed from federal forest land each year. From 91 to 2000, that number dropped to 2.1 billion. Classic. Right? So we're, we're definitely not clearing up as much as we used to. And we could be selling timber and making money and, and financing a lot of it. There's, you know, this, this one gets hard to, to quantify as well. But, you know, the other thought that comes to mind is people in their arrogance don't respect the fact that we are building in areas where we can but that doesn't necessarily mean we should. And I think that links a little bit back to the insurance deal, right? Is we can put houses, you can you can shoehorn things into areas, sides of hills, new communities, etc. get cuz you can get resources to them. It it goes back to even health insurance though. Why are you entitled to insurance? Exactly. Exactly. Like I I guess I don't ever get that part. You've got a private company that is willing to exchange a premium and the odds of whether or not you're going to have a catastrophe. And the pricing of that premium is critical. Exactly. In the marketplace. Absolutely. Cause that's what is going to offset everything. They've got tables and risk assessments and everything that say you're going to pay X amount of dollars cause you're this amount of risk because this is our chance of having to pay you out. And then you've got the government setting the rates for you. So now they're artificially watering down the table and they're saying, you know what, John, you still have to insure Louie. 
but we're going to tell you how much you can charge him. And just and we're going to let him build where he's most likely to have his house burned down. Exactly. And just like we were saying, there's no feedback loop in the setting of insurance premiums in these cases, right? For for people building where they probably should be paying more in insurance premiums. There's no feedback loop there. You do the same thing when you set a a mandatory premium amount and level for healthcare insurance and you sever the feedback loop of if someone lives a healthier lifestyle, they may pay less. If they don't, they may pay more. You've totally eliminated that and there's going to naturally be ramifications. Now, you can hope and think that there won't, but just like we found out with the fire and people building where they probably might not have had they paid triple their fire insurance, well, this is what happens. Well, you could talk about pre-existing conditions on health insurance too. I Like when you just break down the concept, you know John has a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say you must insure John for that problem. You know you're likely to have to likely to have to pay out because we already know you have that problem. <laughs> right. And I'm gonna tell you that you can only charge, you know, pennies on the dollar right. for that payout. But you also need to exist as a company as an insurer twenty right. years from now. Right. You can't go out of business. Oh. Okay. Operate it up at a negative. Okay. Operate it at a loss. Hey, it works That's for California. We'll subsidize it. Yeah. Well, every time people talk about the free market not working, it's because the government has injected it so much with false with a absolute false hope. It's you could talk about it with GM too, right? I mean, you could go off in a bunch of different ways. We don't let companies fail. That 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 is because the some key are too big component. to fail. Quote, That's the unquote, key component, right? So we subsidize <laughs> the hell out of them. See you later, GM. Bye. Right. right. We subsidize the hell out of them. We help prop them up artificially. You create this false economy, and we're like, "Oh, free market doesn't work." Well, no, no, you didn't let it. You remove the risk element right. of the equation, right? And when you do that, there's going to be ramifications. And insurance is risk. I mean, I always think about was it along came Polly, right? 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 Like you crunch in the numbers, right. and you're saying, "How likely is this person to to, to die? To die, or to are we going to have to pay out on it?" Because right. what makes the whole thing work is more people pay in than the people that are going to need to withdraw. Right. Right. But I, I think there needs to be culpability on the government side of, we need to clear some of this land out and make fires not so catastrophic. And I think people need to be more responsible about where they live. I don't know. Oh, asking right. people to be responsible. Oh, how dare you? They'll never make it as a politician. Why would they though, if they don't have to be? You know? Yeah, if I'm going to get a check, why why would I be more responsible? Or if I'm going to pay the same insurance premium, someone who's in the safest location, um, I'm going to pay the same premium if I'm on the side of a hill amidst the forest. Right. Exactly. I'll live on a forest. <laughs> Great. All righty. Zoom. Last but not least, third topic, second largest California firm. Maybe preparing to move to this Texas. This is a big one. Yeah. I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. But no. McKesson Corp., the pharmaceutical giant that is the, that is sixth on the Fortune 500 list, so we're talking a pretty big company, is preparing to move its headquarters from San Fran to the Dallas area. Wow. Who would have guessed? What? California mm, to Texas. Now, that's in Texas, well, right? Keep, yeah, yeah. 
Along mm. with our tally of bullet train funding, <laughs> we need to keep a tally of businesses that have left here for Texas. So it's funny you say that. I'm going to get there in a second. I found a little report. Nice. That, uh, I think you and I we'll were play on the same page we'll play little quiz. You've been reading your words? Yeah, but we'll play a little quiz game for that oh. little... Because uh, okay. I got some states lined up, and some of them will be shocking. Some of them won't. Okay. So Apple is the only California company that's bigger than McKesson. Everyone's heard of Yeah, if they didn't build that like trillion dollar headquarters, they'd be gone too. Right, Right. the big donut. Right, yeah, Uh, yeah. the thing is kind of cool. McKesson has, I think I'm saying it right, McKesson, which has seventy five thousand plus employees, a hundred and ninety eight billion in annual revenue last year. And can anybody guess what some think is the thrust? This has probably been going on for a while, but San Fran. Just passed a measure, Measure C. Oh, and what does that do? That imposes a gross receipts tax on San Francisco-based companies which have fifty million or more in revenue annual revenue. Well, let's see, one hundred ninety-eight billion, <laughs> definitely more than fifty million. So yeah. this company would get to pay it. Yeah. Um, with one hundred ninety-eight billion in twenty seventeen, they're by far the highest-grossing San Fran-based firm. Oh, were the highest grossing San Fran based firm. Later Gator. Measure C is expected to generate three hundred million a year, boosting the three hundred and eighty million that City Hall now spends on homelessness. So they're gonna spend we spend three hundred and eighty oh, yeah. million on oh, homelessness. Oh, you better believe it. Oh, you it. remember when I was giving you those numbers? Oh my god. So yeah. so we're gonna have six hundred and eighty million dollars spent in the city of San Francisco to fight homelessness. At some point, oh, they're man. all going to be able to have a penthouse with a butler, well, and it will be cheaper than this. Well, again, what does six hundred million get you? Like, <laughs> what is the what what what? Where does where do the dollars go? What does it consist of? You it's could an, build it's an absurd amount of money. how many apartment complexes could you build and then just fill it with those people? <laughs> right? I mean, six hundred million dollars. Well, you t- it's like. San Luis Obispo approved the tiny houses for the homeless oh, at a right. cost of $750,000 for each tiny house. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. Don't, don't, don't I mean, I, I kind of think they're cool. Like I read about the little, you know, minimal houses, small houses online and stuff. You know what? Aren't they like 50 grand or something? You know, well, by the time you put in <laughs> oh, yeah. all the stuff it takes to construct it, the people you pay and the permits you pull. Well, that's, that's retail. Like the 50 grand, that's right. retail. I mean, if right. we're going to buy wholesale and at a bulk price, right? I got to figure it'd come down just a little bit. But I, come on, I mean, the only reason these tiny homes are popular is because they're on wheels, so they're technically mobile homes. So they get rid of a lot of the they rules. Pay, and reg- they get rid of the regulations. Do they pay title tax registration? <laughs> yes, they do. You have to put it on a trailer. You there do you just you know on wheels. And then you put in a mobile home, so you're paying some you know, mobile home park. You're paying uh, some kind of rent on that sucker. Here's what I don't what I don't get about these taxes. Okay, as a business owner, you're talking about Measure C, this homeless like revenue tax, right? Okay. You know the things that drive out McKesson and these. Oh, for companies, sure, right. As a business owner, I drop proposals all the time. Yep, and pitch to sure. prospective clients. You're trying to get uh, build your business. Trying sure. to build business, okay. right? Good. Good. There's the rate at what I think the project's worth, right? Okay. That's up at the high side. Yep. And then there's what the client wants to pay. That's going to be lower than that usually. Yep. 
And somewhere in there, I got to come up with a number where I'm still going to get the value for, for myself. It's a negotiation, right? essentially. And the cost, I think, won't lose me the bid, and they'll, they'll pay that. Yep. yep. Right? So somewhere in there. Yep. I've got to be pretty dialed on that because at any point, the prospective client can just say, no, I'm going to go over here. Yep. It's cheaper. Right? Yes. With taxes and these taxes... At what point do legislators not realize that the company will just say, no thanks, and leave? I.E. McKesson. Right. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, okay, I get it, if you want to juice them for some extra cash. I, I, get, I, I don't agree with that, but I get the mentality, <laughs> right. okay? Right. But you don't just, like, go after them for millions, right? I, isn't there, like, uh, at least an easing in of... <laughs> or, or at least... Give me some sense, California, that you thought this might happen. I mean, it's like they do this stuff, I feel. Like you don't see that fallout coming. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I just don't get it. If Exactly. If my rent's going through the roof, I'm going to look for a cheaper apartment eventually. Right? Like they, that's they, with all that. It's like they forgot about the 49 other alternatives in the United States that McKesson has. Well, and I think it's an arrogance of we're so good. Why would anybody want to leave? Totally. So I went back into my archives just to look the, at the San Francisco oh, numbers. The and I archives. Went, I went, okay, we tech or San Francisco by itself technically spends $7,500 per homeless person a year. Cha-ching. That's how much they spend. And they're looking to ramp that up with the Measure C. That's how much... They're they're spending so much money, wow! So much money and safe injection sites. That's yeah, and it's not even including you know local nonprofits that are all right. also doing their part, all for the right to dodge feces on the sidewalk. Right, right. People That's take cool. dumps in the middle of the street, and so we're going to need to collect six hundred million dollars in tax money to make that not happen anymore. Okay, so there was a report. Um, and I read about, it was back in 2015, but still eh, decently recent. Uh, I read about it in the, in the Austin business journal and here, here's what it said. Roughly 9,000 California companies moved to their headquarters or diverted projects to out of state locations in the last seven years. So there, that, that's starting 9,000. Wow. That's starting to attach a number, uh, to what you were saying, Louis. Texas has been the prime beneficiary of the Golden State's hostile, quote-unquote, business environment. That's the conclusion of this study by Joseph Vranich, um, and they're ba- a spectrum location solutions based in Irvine. Okay. Texas was the top. I've got the top 10 states. Okay. Top 10 states that California businesses moved, moved to. to. Some of these, again, I... I'm, well, I'll be curious to see what you guys think as to why that might have been a location. But if number one is Texas, which makes sense, right? Um, Nevada. Are we playing the game now? Oh, oh, no, for sure we are. Okay. okay. Nevada, number two. Well done. Utah? No. Mm. Utah, not up there. Delaware? No. Damn. Not there. Florida, mm. number eight. Really? So, so hold on. Let's no. review. We've picked three states that have no in personal income tax. 
that Ooh. right? Oh, so let's go oh, with uh, Lord Oregon. Number six, Oregon. <laughs> uh, what about Arizona? Number three. Wow, it's like it's like there's a pattern here. Now oh. call me crazy, but you so guys we need are getting these four, like, five, seven, nine, and ten. Oh, well, you got Amazon going to New York. Negative. Although I have a I have an interesting reason as to why I, think, I do too. Yeah. I, yeah, but the New York is definitely not on this list. Right. That actually seems more like a Ponzi scheme. Uh, when totally. You break why they're going <laughs> totally. To Idaho. You know, it's. I kind of thought that Idaho would be on the list, given that they say. Bo- I mean, Idaho as a state is very uh, libertine. Boise's blowing up, but no. Not what about Washington? Number five, the state of Washington, which was that that one was one of the more surprising ones to me, especially given Seattle, and I figure that's where people would be headed. No, I think you've moving. guessed all of them. I'm trying. You're trying. I'm trying. Now, now the, the remaining ones. Yeah, uh, give it to us. That's gonna be tough. Well, I'll, okay, no, I'll give you a couple more. Bobby, you got to get one. Oh, I'm never gonna get it. Uh, These are a little more nuanced. I'll be the first to nuanced? say. Nuanced. Rhode Island. No. Mm. De- uh, New Hampshire. No. Maine. No. You know, actually, one of them. Atlanta or uh, Georgia. Yes, I was just gonna say one of them is ones we've talked about with movies yeah. before. And what the, number and is Georgia? Georgia is number nine. Georgia. Yeah. Uh, what about like other southern stuff like Louisiana? You're, you're, uh, no, but no. but you're you're kind of in the right. New Mexico? No, no. no. Uh, Mississippi? No. For some damn reason. I'll give you North Carolina. Okay, num- number seven. Now again, I don't. You know, I don't. I care was about, trying to go with some of that yeah, seaboard, right? But I don't. know. North Carolina does not come up. What number was that? Uh, number seven, North Carolina. What do we have? One left? No, uh, we got two left. Two left. Number four and number ten. Yeah, four believable. Um, yeah. What what part of the country? Um, Midwest westish. Midwest westish. <laughs> Iowa. No. Uh, Indiana. No. Chicago. Ohio. Illinois. No. Colorado. Col- oh, uh, yeah. Weed. There you go. That's uh, probably <laughs> they're getting all their money from that's weed. Probably where everyone moved to to do that. That's why that one. What's number ten? Virginia. Mm. Again, not one, not one I would have thought. But again, like the the, you the first, have a 10, the first right? six, you were able to hammer out right, right. And we can come up with exactly the reasons You're why right. those some are, the are more nuanced. The other ones though are pretty. Oh, you just knew sense. that Florida, Nevada, those were going to be on the list for sure. Yeah, why wouldn't you go somewhere with lower taxes? Exactly, uh, and with Texas being number one, obviously makes perfect sense. It's not a mystery, no. Nope. But I think what did they? What did we say? Nine thousand between uh, two thousand and eight and twenty fifteen. We have to at least equal that number twenty fifteen to twenty twenty two. Well, and I should also kind of preface it with: not all businesses are created equally. Right, McKesson right. leaving not the same as my little company no, leaving no, the t- state. T- right? Totally fair. I mean, nine thousand is again. I wish they would have had like an average, you know, revenue number on that or something. I I didn't see it, but right. I mean, you talk about places though, like Amazon pulling out, or you know, and they've it's got huge. warehouses everywhere. It's they huge. could have gone anywhere, and they end up going to New York or something like that. The theory I heard, or at least one theory, some uh, an entrepreneur was talking about the um, the home factor. If you look at where Jeff Bezos owns homes, 
and you take the average now between Seattle, New York, and Virginia, where the new locations are going to be, the average distance to his homes is only six miles. Oh, that's interesting. And so basically this Lazy person, this person was saying the fix was in the whole, the whole competition was a joke. He already knew he was going to pick headquarters where he has homes. Right. That was their theory. Right. The, the thing that I heard was all these cities who wanted in, they had to do a whole bunch of research on their own cities and thus give it to Amazon. Oh, that's a good, so Intel, <laughs> so basically he got a, a whole bunch of Intel, of Intel on these cities ah, for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not to say that he didn't get a boatload of no. credits, <laughs> just like we talked about. Marketing, all, yeah. all that, of course. Right. Really all right. Is it that time? I think it's that time. It's time for the James Woods Tweet of the Week. So this is a great one because uh, she, she is going to become, I think, although... Because of this tweet, it may differ, unfortunately. But I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to be the gift Idiot. that keeps on giving. And we're just entering the Christmas season, so I'm just hoping the gifts keep keep coming. So she tweets out uh, something like, people are going to die if we don't start addressing climate change ASAP. It's not enough to think it's important. We must make it urgent, blah, blah, blah. James Woods says... I'm so sad this nitwit delegated her Twitter account to her staff. She was so much fun when she was tweeting raw dog. Oh, well. <laughs> it's true. She provides sound bites that are awesome. I just They're saw unbelievable. A Babylon Bee article. Oh, I, I, saw, I saw that. That said her staff <laughs> ordered her to watch Schoolhouse Rock so that she understood how government worked. Boy, she, she's Now she just... can finally afford to live in a house, though. To me, the word that just Did she come, sell that suit of hers to afford a house? She is just so ignorant. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. Awful. No, she's not just ignorant. She's just flat out stupid. I, I was, yeah, I was, trying to be a, nice. I was trying to be a little... Because yeah. she definitely is ignorant. She's definitely ignorant. But I don't think it's a benign ignorance. Yeah. I, th- I think she's... she's I don't got, think she's upright. I, I think she's had pretty girl privilege this whole time. Not just white privilege, like we always say, pretty girl privilege. And it, and it shines right there on her. Right. And like people always go, oh, she's so pretty. She can do whatever she wants. Like, like James Wood said, I, I really hope she still does a lot of her own. Well, she does those videos, right? I saw some yeah. Vine video. Yeah. That was gold, pure gold. I think that's, that's awesome. grounds for a new segment, this gal. Oh, I like this idea. Well, between her and Gavin. Yeah, we got some. Yeah, the Twitter feeds yeah. will be will be. Uh, but amazing. it has to be her, not her staff, and we'll be able to tell. She's yeah. she's easily at least when we know James Wood does it, we know it's James Woods doing it. Big time. Well, that's another episode down. Episode twenty six. Can't believe it's already been twenty six episodes so far this year. We're coming to a close. New episodes every week. Find us on Apple, iTunes, and Google. Burn it all down. <laughs>